Well, it looks like uh, you can see ground about and grass about. That means it's getting close to planting time. And so my message today is entitled, Planting Time. I want to talk about a very familiar uh, parable. As you know, God, Jesus gave many parables, and many times he talked about planting and about seeds. So I want to talk about a very famous one. It begins in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. It says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. You see, there are certain lessons that Jesus gave individually, one-on-one, like to Nicodemus. And others that he spoke to multitudes of every race and every culture and every background of all who came to hear him. This was one such message. Luke 8, verse 5. It says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. It's important to note that at the beginning of this parable, that the seed in this story is the Word of God, as Jesus would share later. Some modern-day churches have said that the seed is money that you sow to try to get a return, but from the very beginning, Jesus said the seed that's sowed is the Word of God. But one of the points that I want to draw attention to is the sower, first of all. We are quick to emphasize the recipients of the sowing in this message because everyone loves to receive. And that's certainly one of the main points. But do we really take time to understand the perspective and the responsibility of sowing the Word of God as well? This parable, this parable is shared in three of the four Gospels. And each time Jesus goes on to explain what each part or what each symbol in this parable represents. But never does he say that the sower is only God himself. So we can assume that the sower is anyone who shares the Word of God with others. And if this message was given to a multitude of people who represented every city in the area, then we can see that the recipient of the sown Word as well as the sower of the Word, should apply to us as well. Remember, this message was not just given to the religious leaders, or just to the apostles, or just to the church planters. It was given to everyone who would hear the message of the Gospel. Evangelism, or sharing the Word of God, is for everyone. It's not just for the minister or the evangelist. As Christians, we are called to share the Gospel to sow the Word into all the earth. That is what we do. Luke 8, verse 5. Jesus goes on and says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. See, the sower was deliberate about sowing. He went out with the purpose of sowing his seed. It didn't happen accidentally. That was his purpose to go out, was to sow the seed. Evangelism is going out and scattering seed. Telling others about Jesus. Not being afraid to say that He is the reason for life. That He is our only hope in times like these. And that He is the way. Also, the sower didn't just keep all the seed to himself and live off the nutrients for himself. He sowed his seed in other places for other people. 
If a farmer ate all of his corn, he would have nothing left to plant to grow more. The same is true for us. We feed ourselves on the Word that is freely given to us, but we must also share it with others. It's not just us for us to keep to ourselves. If we keep all the knowledge of Jesus to ourselves, then how do we expect the body of Christ to grow? We were never meant to keep our faith only to ourselves. In fact, the body of Christ gets stronger the more that we share it with others. We were called to share His love, not just receive it and keep it to ourselves. Also, the sower in this parable sowed in several different places. And he didn't restrict his sowing based on whether or not he thought the ground or the environment would receive his seed. He sowed regardless. Too many times in evangelism or sharing Jesus with others, people judge the ground before they even try sharing Jesus with others. God never asked us to put our emphasis on the ground, but rather on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the ripest ground for a harvest is the heart or the life that looks like it's the furthest away from Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's exactly how I look when someone started sharing Jesus with me. My life did not look holy. It was not holy. And if someone would have judged me as, well, that's rocky ground or that's thorny ground, I'm not going to sow there because it will be rejected, then I would not be here today. We are not to put our emphasis on the ground. We are to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and sow regardlessly wherever we go. Therefore, the ground shouldn't direct us. The Holy Spirit should. Finally, the point that needs to be made is that the farmer sowed seed. In other versions, the word sow is to scatter. Thus, he let the seed fall where it may. He didn't force it down into the cracks. He didn't use shaming and forceful tactics. Likewise, we don't force the Gospel down people's throats. We let the seeds fall where they may. It's not us who convinces someone to come into the kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit. Because if I can convince you to come into the kingdom, then someone else can convince you to step out of the kingdom. But it's the Holy Spirit that prepares hearts and convicts people in order to receive the seed that it might bear fruit for salvation unto eternity. Luke 8, verse 6. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. The sower scattered the seed wherever he went. He even scattered some on rock. He didn't say to himself, the ground here will never receive seed, so I'd be wasting my time to scatter here. On the contrary, he sowed wherever he went and he left the results up to God. That's what we are to do. To scatter wherever we go and let the, give the results to God. God will work on a heart. As we scatter seed, we pray for that seed and we let, live, give the results to God. We too need to sow the Word wherever we go. Obviously, we're going to use different methods in different locations. But regardless of how and where we scatter the seeds, we leave the results up to God as we sow and share faithfully. Now, not everyone will receive the Word, but everyone should have the opportunity. It's time to sow the seed of the Word. There are people hurting all over this world. People hurting in our community. 
that have been locked up and have, have, have been felt isolated and alone. We need to all share the Word and scatter seed wherever we go. Luke 8, verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Even in threatening conditions, the farmer continued to scatter seed. He understood that it was up to the ground to either receive it and protect it or to reject it and let it be taken away. Now, when we scatter seed, when we share the Gospel with others, when we share the message of Jesus' love, we don't just say, say you need to, we don't just share our truth and walk away. We pray for that person. We pray that God would lead us to people to share the Gospel. And, we, and as we walk away after sharing the Gospel, we pray that that seed would take root and bear fruit. But ultimately, it's up to each person who receives the Word to make a decision for themselves. Don't think that you messed up or you said the wrong thing or you weren't forceful enough. It's not up to us. We scatter the seed. God works on a person's heart. And each person individually decides whether or not they will receive that seed. Some are too comfortable or too stuck in their fears and worries to make a change in their life to bring the Word to conviction, to cultivation as well. We don't wait for them to get unstuck before we share the Gospel. We sow regardless. After all, it usually takes several attempts for someone to be ready to give their life to Christ. You may be the first person that casts seed, or you may be the last. It doesn't matter. Our job, all of us, is to scatter seed regardless and leave the results up to God. Luke 8, verse 8. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Even though this appeared to be much more suited ground, this, this good ground, even though it appeared to be much better for growth, there's no indication that he sowed more on this good ground than where he did on the rock and in the thorns. He scattered the same wherever he went. The farmers sowed equally in all places. Perhaps his methods were different in different environments but he sowed continuously wherever he went. God expects all of us to do the same thing. We are called to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Luke 8, verse 9. Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? See, while we've taken time to look at the sower's perspective, now Jesus explains the other side of the story or the ground, which we're familiar with. Luke 8, verse 10. And He said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. That verse right there, that seeing they may not see, is in five different books of the Bible. It's in all the Gospels and in Acts. It's important to know that not everyone is going to understand the truth. The reason that we are able to understand and apply the teachings of Jesus' parables is not just because we're smarter or better or holier. It's because the Holy Spirit illuminates our minds to make it personal for us. I think I've told this story a few times, but during college, one of my roommates went home over summer and he came back in the fall and he said, hey, I read the whole Bible over the summer. I said, really? What did you get out of it? He said it was a great 
a depiction of a bunch of war stories and strategies in the Old Testament. You see, without the Holy Spirit, we don't, we, we don't get the full understanding. We see, but we don't see. We hear, but we don't understand. But as we give our lives to God, He opens through the Holy Spirit, opens our understanding to get a deeper glimpse of what the Word means and what the message of God is to us through the Word. Believers in Christ look to see themselves in the parables. If you want to know if your faith is alive and moving and growing, then when you come to church or when you hear a message or you hear something, you're looking to say, God, what part of this applies to me? You see, if you're always saying, oh, I wish my wife was here, she needs to hear this message. Or my husband really should be hearing this. Or I know someone down the street, this message is for him. Then you're not growing. The apostles, the disciples, the followers of Jesus looked to see themselves in the message. They took everything to heart. How can they apply it to themselves? It's the same thing that we do. What can I glean out of this message for myself? You see, while others defer the implications, assuming that Jesus has to be talking about somebody else, and certainly not not them, they miss the message. They assume they're just listening to a story. That's why many religions just talk about Jesus as a teacher, as a storyteller. They don't have the Holy Spirit to interpret the true message to them. They're unable to see and understand what is directed towards humble listeners in search of truth, ready to apply it directly to their own lives. A heart that's open to God is like ground that is ready to receive seed. In order for ground to be prepared for seed, it has to be tilled and turned up first. Likewise, in order for anyone's heart to be open for God, their heart and mind and their soul has to be turned up. That's many times what happens in the trials in our lives is our heart gets turned up and we things that we thought were settled in our mind get unsettled so that we can receive the seed of truth and hope. People need to be searching and struggling to find sense or meaning. Now because we cannot see into another person's soul or their spirit, we must be faithful to soul regardless. Not everyone is an open book. You can't tell everyone who's struggling that they're really searching and looking. In fact, some people go to great lengths, and maybe you've done it yourself, to cover up the trials in your life. So on the surface it looks like everything's fine when in the inside there's a great turmoil. So we can't walk, we can't judge things by what we see. We need to walk by faith. We need to follow God's lead and so regardless. For we don't know if our seed is what it's going to do. We can't judge the ground. We need to be discerning of the Holy Spirit. When we don't see results, when we share Jesus with others, when we don't see observable results, it's easy to assume that the ground rejected the seed. It's easy to say, well, that person wanted nothing to do with God. That's why they rejected what I said. That the person rejected this message of hope that you're trying to freely offer them. However, the lack of observable results may just be that God's Word is doing the necessary work first of tilling up someone's heart, of tilling up the soil, of breaking that hard ground, of getting the seed ready, getting the ground ready to receive seed. Too many times in evangelistic efforts, we think it's either a fail or a victory. Either that person received Jesus or they didn't. But the truth of the matter is, as you all know, 
That, that soil has to be tilled up first. The lack of observable results just might mean that God is tilling up the soil. Tilling the heart of that person to prepare them for a seed that's going to be planted later as people are faithful to share and scatter seed. This has to happen before a seed can take root. Never think that your planting or scattering of seed was a failed attempt. We don't always know God's purposes in scattering seed. Isaiah 55.11, which is our memory verse for today, says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, says the Lord. It shall not return to me in void, but it shall accomplish what I please, what God pleases. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. You see, you may share the gospel with someone else thinking that you're expecting a certain result, but God always has a purpose in you sharing seed or you sharing the gospel or you praying with someone or you serving someone. And even though you might not get the expectation you're looking for, God says, my word will accomplish what I please and the purposes for which, which I sent it. Now, we don't know all of God's purposes, but we do know that rough ground needs to be tilled and plowed before it can take a seed. God's purposes with His Word are just sometimes just to have the, the ground tilled up first, to have the heart tilled up first. The problem we have is that sometimes if someone rejects the message we're trying to share, it's easy to get upset, to get into a debate, and to get emotional with them. Yet every time we do that, we uproot that very seed that we just planted. We need to understand that when we're planting seeds in someone's heart, each and every one of us has a heart of flesh, a sinful nature. And our sinful nature does not want to change. So when you plant a seed of God's truth, you're basically telling that sinful nature that you need to die. It needs to die to itself, and that sinful nature does not want to die. So when it looks like that person is rejecting your message, it's the sinful nature of the flesh of that person that's rejecting the seed. So understanding that, we can say, okay, thank you for listening and move on. If we get emotional, we pull up that seed we just planted. We need to be faithful to scatter and sow and not take instructions from the ground, but from the Holy Spirit. If we learn to accept the fact that not all planning shows immediate observable results, we can trust God to let His purposes prevail, whether the seed takes root in a believer's heart or whether it's just tilling up the ground. As we all know, some hearts take a lot of tilling before they're ready to receive seed. Sure, there will be people who won't ever willingly receive the seed of truth in God's message. But that's between them and God. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to scatter seed with love. Our responsibility is to scatter seed everywhere we go. And then pray for the seed and leave the results up to God. I know many times I've prayed for people in hospitals and, and sick. And I, I, I always, when I pray, I always want to pray the Word of God. Besides just my desires for healing, or I want to pray the Word of God so that when I leave, and I'm just giving an example of some things I've done, when I leave, I pray for the seed that was planted in that person's heart. Believing that that seed will till the soil and believing that that seed will take root and bear fruit. Because God says His Word will accomplish what He pleases. 
if we trust Him at His Word. Luke 8.11 Now the parable is this. Jesus goes on to explain the meaning of it. The seed is the Word of God. As shared before, the seed is the Word. It's not money. It's not investments or anything else that expects a worldly return. The only yield here is a redeemed soul. When Jesus talks about about the harvest of bearing fruits, the fruit is a redeemed soul that other people are coming into the kingdom. Jesus wanted to make this point clear and completely evident, so He said the seed is the Word of God. That's what we are to sow. Luke 8, verse 12, Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. You see, some hear, but they don't receive because they don't protect it. It gets mixed in with everything else that they hear. And eventually it gets cast out due to human logic. Because guess what? It doesn't make sense to follow Christ. But it makes heart sense. We know that Jesus died for us. A perfect representation, the perfect Lamb of God who never sinned, but He died for us. And so we can't always try to judge with logic, but if we judge it by submitting to, the, to God, then the Holy Spirit helps it make sense to us and to our spirit. But sometimes for people, that they, their logic gets confused with it, so it casts out the seed. Or doubt causes the seed to get cast out. Or rejection of truth causes the seed to get cast out. Luke 8.13 But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the Word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. See, unfortunately, we see a lot of this nowadays. If you've been following the news of the Christian circles, we've seen many examples of pastors, worship leaders, evangelists, Christian recording artists that have now become atheists. They don't believe God. See, these people, why is that happening? Because they've been told this lie that when you come to Jesus, that all your problems will disappear. That He'll take away all your tears and all your troubles and you won't go through struggles and your finances will be blessed. That's the message that's out there. But it's not the biblical message. Because all of us face trials. All of us face tough times. But going through them with Jesus is what gets us through. Not the absence of troubles. You see, when tragedy hits and finances crumble, when sickness comes, when trials and struggles continue, people fall away because the temptation to quit becomes bigger than the choice to stay. Luke 8.14 Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. You see, others want to believe, but they give more weight to their worry. They give more weight to their fears and the pleasures of this life than to the saving truth that's only found through Jesus Christ. Luke 8.15 But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the Word with a noble and good heart, Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Seed that falls on a good heart and a noble heart 
meaning one that takes it serious and protects the seed and cultivates it, this seed takes root. Now, it doesn't say a perfect heart because none of us are perfect. All of us fall. All of us sin because we have a sinful nature. But when we understand what's been planted in us, the truth of eternity, and we protect it and cultivate it, cultivate it by meeting with like-minded brothers and sisters in Bible studies and in prayer groups and in coming to church and cultivate it through protection, then that seed eventually goes down deep and takes root. That one day it might bear fruit. See, before any fruit is bore, several things have to happen. First, it has to be received willingly. Next, it has to be kept and protected and cultivated. And then, with patience, as the Word says, it will bear fruit. The promise is not that fruit comes with certainty, but that fruit comes with patience. Anyone that tells you that accepting and following Jesus will be an immediate turnaround in your life for everything in your life isn't telling you the full story. Yes, if you repent. If you turn from your sinful lifestyle and come to Jesus, you will be immediately forgiven. But it does take a while for you to learn to walk like Jesus. To walk that new walk of life. And yes, you will be saved from the guilt and punishment of your sins as Jesus opens the way to heaven to you. But God expects you to follow Him. Not just voice it once and then think that your ticket is punched to heaven. Yes, salvation is open to us by accepting the sacrificial death of Jesus. But our responsibility does not end with a single prayer. We are to continue to believe, to continue to study, to pray, to serve, and to scatter seeds and tell others about Jesus. Yes, we will immediately be declared righteous because of Jesus, but our old feelings and our old memories will still linger on, continually trying to tempt us to go back to our old way of thinking, especially when struggles come before us. Therefore, if we receive His Word and keep it and protect it and hold on to it during trials and temptations with patience that God gives us, then yes, we will bear fruit. We will bear it some 30 and some 60 and some 100 fold so that our witness is increased and overpowered so that we can scatter more seed for the kingdom of God. I will tell you right now, of everything that's happened in the past year, a lot of soil has been tilled up. A lot of people are looking for answers. A lot of things that have been unsettled. It's time now, church, to share seed, to scatter seed. Whether people say it or not, they're looking for answers. They're not going to find it in the government. They're not going to find it in a new law or a new social fad or on Facebook. They're only going to find it through the perfect seed of Jesus Christ. And we've all been called to share and scatter seed. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus said to His disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. Boy, this is a word for today. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Church, the harvest truly is plentiful. The question is, will you join us as we go into the fields for the Lord's harvest?
I want to tell you right now that there, we are people here who have been changed by a seed that was scattered in their direction. Especially when their, their life was crumbling. When their life looked like it had no hope. In fact, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to share something with you. I want to ask someone to come up who's put it on his heart that he wants to share how Jesus Christ changed his life. Bob Tackett, can you come up right now, please? Bob has been preparing for this. He wants to share how someone scattered seed, many people, and you'll see the recipient of a changed life. Good morning. I'd like to share my testimony with my family here. It's uh, my journey, my story. It started 60 years ago. I was born and raised down River, Detroit, and I was raised a Catholic. And I went to church probably till about about 13, and I went to the Catholic school for the first seven years. So that's <clears throat> sort of I'm assuming where the basis of my faith began. And then, uh, like everything else, life happened. I grew up. I moved up north. I got married. I had kids. And uh, life was pretty good, you know, for a while. And then a series of events started happening, you know. And like in 2004, my mother passed away. And uh, I was really close with my parents. My parents were my best friends. And it that was rough. That was in 2004. And then in 2008, I lost my job at the mill. Had that big economic thing happen, and uh, after almost 22 years, I wasn't going back. And that was a blow. And then uh, in 2012, my father passed away. And he was my best friend. He was my hunting buddy. We hung out. You know, I loved my dad. That was rough. That was that was rough. At that time, my marriage was starting to fail too. Then in 2014, my marriage did fail. I got divorced after, uh, gosh, it must have been almost 25 years we were together, and that was like a kick in the teeth. And you know, my life was just falling apart. You know, I really had nowhere to turn, and I started praying and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that Jesus would come into my life and uh, in 2018 in the winter I fell on the ice and got hurt I had to have an operation on my shoulder a rotor cuff man that's those are bad and uh, I made it through that and then in the spring it was in May I was sleeping one night, and uh, I woke up, it was early morning, and I had this revelation, you know, and I know it wasn't a dream, because I was dreaming before that, and I remembered my dream, and it was the Holy Spirit, He spoke to me, He said four words, He says, uh, your time is short. And I didn't really know what that meant, you know, by do I only got a couple years left or what, you know. And, and I got a friend, Lou Wilson, there. You know, I'd been doing a couple small jobs for her, and I had talked to her about it. 
you know. And uh, then in October, she called me up and asked me if I wanted to go to church with her. It was uh, bring a friend to church day. And I jumped at the opportunity. I said, yeah. So we came to church. I went to meet her at her house, and she had some other friends, and we came here. And this is the first time I had ever been to this church. And I walked through the front door, and it was just unbelievable. The people that welcomed me, the warmth and the joy that I was here, you know, thank you. We're so happy you're here. You know, how you doing? You know, and that really made an impression on me. And uh, I had had a cousin, my sister, you know, they pretty religious. They go to church, and uh, I was talking to my cousin. He had gone to Greece to study. He was going to be a priest at one time. And I told him about my experience, and he suggested I start reading the Bible. And he started it, he says, start at John. So I did, you know, and that's where I found out that you have to be born again. And uh, baptized, you know, I was baptized a Catholic, but that's when I was a baby. And uh, that, so anyhow, you know, that was heavily on my mind, that was weighing on my mind, you know, to get baptized. And then uh, December 23rd that year, I was watching TV, it was, I remember, I looked at the clock, it was like 10 after 10, and I knew the service started at 11, and I just had this uncontrollable urge to get up and come to church, you know, to get baptized. So I got up, I got cleaned up, and I came to church, and I walked through the front door, and the pastor was standing there, and our eyes met, and I walked up to him, and I introduced myself, I said, hi, I'm Bob, and I'd like to be baptized. And he said, well, you know, how would you like to do it? You know, would you like to be sprinkled or submersed? Well, you know, it's about a foot of snow outside and close to zero out. I said, well, I'd like to be sprinkled. And he said, well, would you like to do that today? And it was like a deer in the headlight moment, you know, like I could not say no. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so I was baptized that day, uh, December 23rd. And I've been coming here ever since, you know, and, and what I felt that day when I was baptized, the inner peace that came over me, you know, my stomach used to be tied up in knots all the time about stuff, you know, and the inner peace that I've received from the Holy Spirit there, it's, it's indescribable, you know, and uh, I am so proud to be here, and I just want to tell you how blessed I am to be a member of this church family and to be able to call all of you brother and sister. Thank you. Bob has uh, been very faithful, part of this church, um, dear friend of mine. Bob's uh, um, weekly, very faithful, has attended our our men's Bible study, and he's continuing to to learn more, and he's asking questions all the time, and going back to the Word to see what it's what you know how it makes sense to him. Always asking, always seeking, and I, I've had the pleasure of seeing him grow in God, and not just be this timid person that says I got was saved, but to be actively sharing his own faith. 
as I, he's shared stories of scattering seed with neighbors and other people as well. Just, it's too exciting to keep it to himself. In fact, I know he's invited friends to church just to kind of share this journey with him. That's really what it's about. It's nothing for us individually. It's we want people to share this journey with us. Because we know what Jesus did in our lives to take away our sins. We know how rough each of us has looked upon our own selves. And Jesus said, I love you with an everlasting love. Nothing can separate me from you. No matter what you think you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, I love you and I want to redeem you. You just saw a redeemed life up here. And I know there's many, many more. But there's also many who are yet to be redeemed. And God's called us to be part of that solution. To share the Word of God. To share what God's doing in our lives. To invite someone to church. I know Bob came on a invite-a-friend Sunday, but every Sunday should be an invite-a-friend to church day. So I want to ask you to pray about someone who's been on your heart or that God would put someone on your heart that you can begin sharing or, or, or increase, accelerate that scattering seed to another level. Whether you invite him to church on Sunday, we'd love to have him. Whether you invite him to our movie nights on Thursday at 6. Whether you invite him to watch our, our, our service on Facebook or online. Whether you invite him to a Bible study. Whether you go to another church, it doesn't matter. It's not our church, it's God. We are the church built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But God has called all of us to scatter seed. That lives can be changed and redeemed, and we increase our family. Thank you, Bob, for your message to this family. It has inspired all of us to do more, and we thank you for that. As we reflect on these words of a changed life, I would ask you to say, you might be thinking, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. Sharing the gospel is not just in the words you say, it's how you live. And when you make a mistake, are you quick to apologize? Are you quick to ask for forgiveness? Are you able to live out your faith? That's what the term unbroken praise is. Praise is not just for church on Sunday. It's how I live my life. I'm going to give praise to God. So as we reflect on today's message, let's listen to the song that sung by our daughter, Allison. It's called Unbroken Praise. <laughs> 